welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. My name is Dr Caroline Walker and I'm a psychiatrist and a specialist in doctor's well-being. Uh, these next few podcasts are going to be a special series of podcasts in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, looking at lots of different ways that we can support ourselves as doctors um, out there struggling through this um, these challenging times. So please, if you find these um, podcasts helpful, please do spread them far and wide uh, to your doctor colleagues and to other healthcare professionals or in fact anyone you think might be helped by them. Thank you for being here, thank you for listening. Welcome to this latest episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast. I'm really excited to have with me today Sheila Hofton. Welcome Sheila. Hello. Hello. Would you like to just introduce yourselves, let our listeners know a bit about who you are? Of course. Thank you, Caroline. I am an ICF, so International Coach Federation um, accredited certified coach. I spend the majority of my time helping doctors take as much care of themselves as they do their patients. And I do that on a one-to-one and also in groups and teams. And also I'm a coach supervisor and mentor coach. Wonderful. And I know you are part of our lovely team, Team Joy at Joyful Doctor. We're very lucky to have you You do um, our uh, supervision for our coaches and they're always raving about it. So it's lovely to have you here uh, on the podcast today. Um, I always start by asking my guests the first uh, two questions the same. So tell me, what does it mean to you to be joyful? So to be joyful is having a smile on your face. And I think about helping other people put a smile on their face really so being part of the joyful doctor you know it's working with other professionals who've got a similar sort of mission and outlook um, to me and that's within joyful but also the thinkers that come along for coaching um, Mm. helping them to I love that so it's kind of about how you feel but it's also about how you're interacting with others and how you're helping others to feel as well yeah, 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 dynamic in it. Lovely. And and has there been a time in your life when you weren't so joyful? Yes, there has. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I kind of I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if that hadn't happened. Mm. So whilst it was a very black dark time, um, there was uh, I think it, I've heard it called post traumatic growth. So out of that mm. came a lot of positive things. But um, when I was in the thick of it, I was. You know, I was very reluctant to kind of um, give in to it. In I kept trying to sort of struggle on and struggle on. And, of course, and then when I did stop, it almost got worse before it got better. Um, so I've got background in the corporate world. Um, and essentially, I kind of, I, I say burnt myself out, but I think in a way I was one of the lucky ones because I didn't take as long to recover as I've heard of a lot of other people um, have. But you know, there was a time when I didn't want to go out and see people. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, I I didn't really feel like there was any point in doing things and, you know, things that I really enjoyed doing. Mm. Um, and it's everyone experiences it differently, I think. But um, I very much like to be around people. As, as you just heard me say, I like to have a smile on my face and help other people get a smile on their face. And so to not want to do that, that shows me that I really wasn't in a very good place Mm. how did you what did you sort of notice how did you realize that you weren't in a good place 
<laughs> so um, at the time I had broken my ankle, but it was non-weight bearing bone. So I'd, I'd been lucky and was given a splint. Um, and I was trying to carry on as if I didn't have this broken ankle. And mm -hmm. one day I found myself on a train to Manchester when I should have been on a train to Derby. And as in realizing that, got off the train as quickly as I could at the next stop mm. and then realized that my overnight bag was off on his holidays up to Manchester in the um, <laughs> luggage carrier um, and started worrying and this is when I kind of I think I realized because I started worrying about really stupid little things that were in that overnight bag mm. that really weren't important um, but the rest of that day went very very wrong and it was I just I ended up going to the wrong location and couldn't get mm. into rooms and security and all these silly things. Um, but they were really, really big issues at the time. Mm. And they weren't big issues, you know, when you look back at it, you know, oh yeah, made a mistake, got on the wrong train, get, mm. just sort it out. But it just, it felt huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then at that point when I stopped, every, everything else sort of caved in around it. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, looking back, do you think there were warning signs there that you hadn't noticed? Yeah. Um, loads of things. I think, um, you know, I was crying quite a lot of the time, but I was just in this place of, oh, do I just not enjoy my job or is it, uh, you know, and yeah, I've talked to the time with doctors. Yeah. They'll, just, yeah. they'll be struggling with something or another and they'll try to work out what it is that's wrong in their life. And they'll often go straight to work they'll think oh am I in the wrong job am I in the wrong specialty do I just need to change this just need mm. to change that and actually there's something going on with them personally and that certainly was the case for me when I was struggling yeah in fact I've um yeah I thought oh every single time I've struggled I thought oh I shouldn't be a doctor I don't you know I don't enjoy my job or I think about doing something different or, but when I'm well when I'm happy I don't tend to have those thoughts as much um or if I do they're very different they're kind of a sort of gentle knowing that something isn't right and I need to change it but it's not um it's not like I'm trying to fix myself in doing that yes yeah absolutely it's about no it's noticing and feeling and um well I, I talk a lot about the parts of the car and I've got this model called the MOT for you now yeah. um and so I say to people when if you were driving along with a, in a car and a warning light came up okay you might ignore it for a couple of days and hope that it goes away but yeah. when it goes red you kind of think oh i suppose i better get that sorted out and you take the car to the garage and you find out what's going on mm -hmm. um similarly road signs like if you came up to a road sign and it says like there's um one of those ones where it says you're going to fall into the water if you carry on driving yeah you tend to stop the car and yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. But, but then we have these signs in our own bodies and we just keep ignoring them and it's just like oh if I, yeah. if I don't if I don't look at that road sign it'll go away right yeah um, <laughs> and, and things like I'm guessing things like migraines things like um having a bit of a dodgy tummy mm. or uh feeling a little bit more tense having to make some pains you wouldn't normally things like yeah that. yeah kind of yeah, we just override them, don't we? And carry yeah, them. yeah. My like, ones, um, I always used to say, oh, my wisdom teeth are moving around again. I must go and see the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> and then I track it back. And I, every time it happens, it's always because I've got too much on and I'm obviously clenching my yeah. jaw so tight that it's all... Um, it's all and, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. That, so that is one of my big ones, yeah. actually. So maybe yeah. if we can listen to our bodies that little bit more and actually say, oh, what's that trying to tell me? You know, mm. what's going on? That might, yeah. And, and we do, we often get um, doctors coming for coaching, don't we? A joyful doctor who are 
experiencing those sorts of things and um and there's a such a crossover isn't there between our work and our well-being Mm. and how the two interact and and i know we've often talked before about you know how with coaching how can coaching help people in those situations and how it's helped us in the past Mm. and um but and just how um therapeutic coaching can be Mm. um which is you know which has led us on to thinking isn't it about that difference between therapy and coaching and we have to get asked that that question of you know what's um what is the difference actually and Mm. are there crossovers are there is it a gray area is it is it black and white you know what is the difference and and I thought it might be nice to to explore that a little bit today Mm. yeah that's right with you yes and I was at the um ICF Advance, which is a sort of coaching conference, which is all about, you know, what's going on at the forefront of coaching. And one of the things that came up was there's less, they called it bright lining. There's less bright lining between what's that? Um coaching and therapy, which essentially is what you're saying. The 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 lines are becoming blurred. Yeah. 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 yeah and I, I totally i mean my experience certainly of being a coach and being a qualified therapist as well um is that there's a massive crossover actually mm. a huge crossover that coaching can be incredibly therapeutic and that therapy can uh, use a lot of coaching tools and strategies and approaches and um so yeah i think it's um it's a really common sort of uh question that we get and we often when we we're working with doctors they will often be in that slightly gray area between sort of having something going on in their lives that they're thinking oh do I want to change my career do I want to what's my next move or do I need to make a change or not or um but there's also some like well-being stuff going on and trying to work out you know is coaching the right fit right now or do they need something a bit more uh, therapy like or do they need both you know and yeah it is a bit of a a messy one isn't it what are your thoughts on- yeah so, with, with all of these things I often try and go back to sort of the original definitions mm-hmm. um and and what's in we've just lost interesting you. about it is if you look at I always have the English dictionary oh you're back with us now oh, is it, have you got back. we just lost oh, you so if you look up coaching in in the standard English dictionary it talks about um well, first of all, it says like transport from A to B. <laughs> but actually, that is interesting because coaching is often about future. So there is this piece about transporting from A to B. Um, but it it really is talking about, it, it defines it as training, but it's definitely not training. Um, but I see the differences around therapy as kind of a treatment. It says a treatment intended to relieve or heal a disorder. And then it goes on to say mental or um, psychological. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say anything about physical, but you often get coaching in the context of physical because it comes, most people, when I say I'm a coach, they say, oh, what, like a sports coach? Yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, the, the, the physical side of it. Mm-hmm. And then if you dig in a little bit more with coaching, it's around improvement and achievement, self-awareness, mm-hmm. learning and growth. Mm-hmm but you still do get some of those things in therapy absolutely absolutely and this is where there is such a huge crossover isn't there and I'm always talking to my um coaches that I support about how actually it's it isn't black and white I don't think there is a a clear line or a bright line I think um I think we often it's more about having that awareness about when we might be slipping from one into the other Mm. Um, I do agree on that idea that coaching for me certainly feels a bit like we're trying to get from where we are now to where we would like to be with something 
Mm. And that might involve a step-by-step plan, or it might involve just a shift in our mindset to actually realize that we're already there. We're already yeah. at, you know, B. Um, so yeah, the idea of getting from A to B, I quite like to hold in mind, but, but not be stuck rigidly to it because we could just be at B. Um, mm. you know? um, and therapy. Yeah. I think for me as a therapist, it's, it is more, I suppose it's more disease model based, isn't it? Or, or problem model based. Like it's kind of, you've got a, a, a thing happening in your mental world like a depression or an anxiety or a burnout or something where you're then using the therapeutic tools to try to get better whereas coaching sort of assumes that you're you're already okay you've got all the resources and things you need but it's using those and shifting things in order to make forward progress I mean again they they both cover that don't they it's really tricky (laughs) it's it's funny isn't it because it, even as we we hear ourselves talking out loud yeah. and you start talking about therapy and then think oh but that sounds like coaching yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then you start yeah. talking about coaching and go yeah well, that, that sounds, sounds like therapy, therapy. Yeah. so um and I honestly think that good therapists use coaching tools and good coaches have work therapeutically in the sense that they affect a positive change in their coaches lives and and um and I think it is just about having that awareness about where you might just be slipping from one into the other. And then obviously like coaches mm. use supervision, don't they to talk about things like that, that kind yeah. of, Oh, I feel as if I'm working with this person and it's going a bit too far that way or away from the coaching model. Or, um, so I think uh, for me, it's that it's holding it in mind and going, yeah, it's okay actually that coaching can feel therapeutic and yeah, that as a yeah. therapist, I might use coaching tools and vice versa. Just yeah. That awareness uh, around it. And there are, I think, I think that when I had therapy, I was definitely looking for a fix. Like, I do not want to feel like this anymore. Um, I need a fi- <laughs> I need a fix. And I found it difficult to think clearly. And that's another definition um, or sort of criteria for me almost if I'm working with someone. And if they're struggling to think clearly, yeah. then coaching probably isn't going to be quite right because there's you need a certain element of being able to sort of think rationally about things yeah I think you can you have to be sort of well enough in your thinking don't you in order to be able to try and grasp some of the ideas be curious answer questions think through things you you don't you might get stuck in some negative thinking patterns that coaching could help pick up and and work with but if you're really rigidly stuck in them, let's say you're super depressed and really down and you just cannot see through the, you know, the wood for the trees, um, then you might struggle with the coaching approach a little bit. So perhaps best to go for some therapeutic support, get some therapy, get mm. better, a little bit, wait for mood to improve your thinking, to become a bit more flexible again and then work mm. with a coach. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's interesting because obviously the origins of much of the coaching movement there's lots of different ways to coach but many of them are based in therapy models aren't they so there's cognitive behavioral coaching based in cognitive behavioral theory you know which came about as a therapy um there's a gestalt coaching which came about from gestalt working there's you know there's all these different models and they a lot of them have come from the therapy world so it's not no wonder that the people are confused and there's a bit of a mismatch Mm. yeah and there's so many uh threads that run through both yeah so therapy and um coaching are both you know when you're working with a really good therapist or a really good coach they're both client-centered yeah both of them work with the latest techniques the latest research yeah 
both of them partner with the client to choose the direction that the client or the thinker, let's say, wants to go in. Yeah. And both of them listen. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I, listening I is such a core yeah. component. Mm. Um, and that's where I think the crossover comes as well in terms of how much listening does the therapist or the coach do? So if you look at like Nancy Klein's thinking environment, Mm. she would let someone speak for an hour without interrupting them mm. but then some coach models would say that might be storytelling that might be old patterns of thinking so we need to interrupt that we need to challenge that mm. but in therapy would you do that and you're probably better placed to answer that well uh, well and it varies massively depending on the type of therapy you do mm. the type of therapist you are and I think um some types of therapy are much more patient or client-centered and there's much more listening and much less activity coming from the um uh therapist there are other models where the therapist is really active like all the time you know there's a constant to and fro like a ping pong game um you know um and i think and even two different therapists practicing the same type of therapy will do it slightly differently mm. so Again, I don't think it's that clear. And I think what we're seeing a lot of with doctors coming through to the Joyful Doctor for coaching support is we do, we have a little chat and with the person and actually sometimes it's absolutely the right time for coaching. And we think, yeah, that's a really clear cut case. We'll go for coaching. Other times it's a really clear cut case. That actually, they're really struggling with their mental health and they need some therapy. But more often than not, they're in this sort of gray zone where actually a bit of both might be helpful and they might try one, then the other, or they might try both at the same time and sometimes it's only in the doing of it that they come to learn or we come to learn what's really most helpful and and appropriate for us at this time so I'm thinking if anyone's out there now listening to this any doctors thinking you know what I could do to talk to someone I'm, I'm trying to make some decisions about what to do with my life I don't really know if I should go for coaching or therapy have a chat with you know give us a give us a call drop us an email at teamjoyfuldoctors.com we can put in the time to have a chat let's talk it through and see what would be a good fit um and have a chat or have a chat with a coach or a therapist, you know, ask, talk about it, think about it. Cause it, it could be either or, or both. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it's about being willing to invest that sort of 30, 45 minutes, having a chat to work out what might help yeah. can be the sort of make or break if you like. And I don't know many people that have that initial conversation and then say, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And in fact, we do a lot of them. I mean, we just do ours in sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes even. Mm. That can be enough just to, mm. just to get a bit of clarity about what's going on right now. What might be helpful? Um, Cause often we're not, we aren't the best judge of that. I'm not the best judge of that for myself. And I'm an, you know, I'm an expert in theory in both, you know, yeah. um, but sometimes I just need to talk it through with someone else and go, look, this is what's happening right now. What, what do you think? What would be the most ne- best next step or most helpful next step? And, and you can always try something for a bit and see. Yeah. And then yeah. if it, you know, sometimes we, we, um, someone will try a bit of coaching, but discover that they're kind of maybe unearthing some deeper emotional issues that they want to work through with a therapist um, other times they might start working with a therapist, but realize that actually what they really want to do is work on some really goal oriented future planning stuff that might be more suited to coaching. So, you know, it, you can flex between the two as well, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, therapy might uncover some things that might be preventing you from achieving those goals. Yeah. So sometimes you can run the two alongside Absolutely. each other. 
absolutely and then you start uncovering what's what's really going on yeah. really you know a lot a lot deeper yeah it might be influencing the ability to to, yeah. to do that so yeah. yeah. So, and for me, the, the take home message is always look, if you're even thinking it might be helpful to talk to someone, then have that conversation, have that chat, open up the possibility mm. because chances are it will be. Yeah. Uh, I've certainly yeah. found incredibly helpful in my life. I've had lots of therapy and I've had lots of coaching at uh, different times for different things. And I've, they've all been helpful. Mm-hmm. Someone said to me um, a few years back, uh, regret what you do do, not what you don't yeah I, I i like that one i always phrase it as it's better to regret what you it's better to regret something you do than something you don't do yeah yeah yeah, exactly. like that, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. because if you don't idea. do it if you yeah. don't do it you'll never know yeah yeah um, and actually what's the worst that can happen you might go you might not like the person well chalk it up to experience go and work with someone else like there's yeah. no rule you, yeah you have to stay stuck working with someone if it's not yeah. working for you um uh yeah yeah. And you still learn something about yourself as a result of that. Yeah. Even if that thing didn't work, you learn, okay, so that's not the sort of person yeah. that's right for me. So what is the right? And, and so when I work with people about things like, okay, so what do you want with your life or, you know, what's not right? Actually exploring what they don't want is sometimes more valuable than exploring what you do want because it's easier to say, I definitely don't want, x y and z yeah and then you can say okay so what's the opposite to that then yeah i love that idea you could even just write that down on one side of the page couldn't you mm. write a line down the middle and then write all the opposites on the other side mm. yeah mm. great technique yeah so useful. and it's not about staying stuck in what you don't want so it's not the same as saying oh well i'm just working so hard and there's not enough time and i'm not appreciated and i'm not valued it's about saying okay i do not want to be undervalued i don't want to overwork i want yeah so what do i want i want to feel valued i want mm. to have good working hours and yeah yeah yes. and what does it look like being valued because mm. to different people it's different things so yeah, um that picture some people will you know oh, i'm more my money orientated so the more salary rises i get the more valued i feel but mm. um then there's a, a probably bigger chunk of people that say I just need someone to say thank you for that. Yeah. What the work that I'm doing. Doctors, we're very much driven by um, meaning in our work, mm-hmm. and we're also driven by feeling valued. Absolutely, so important, so important. Mm-hmm. And so, if you are, you know, thinking, if you're, you're looking over at your colleague, you're thinking they're looking a little bit down or they're having a tough time. A sim- just a simple one sentence. I noticed you did that thing the other day, and I really liked it. Or, you know, thank you for doing this. I really value what you do. You're amazing to work with. Or make just the world of difference in a doctor's life yeah, yeah. yeah and particularly when it's related to patient care because mm. that's the ultimate isn't it everything the doctors are doing it's around patient care so where things are yeah. linked to that I've had a lot of conversations recently with um doctors one-to-one um where been struggling to put themselves first mm. and when I flip it around and say if you don't do this what's the impact on patient care Mm. then as the light bulb goes on and goes yeah you know what if I'm not eating well and I'm not exercising I'm not at my best so I'm not delivering the best patient care and I want to be that's where I want to be we often find it a shortcut into self-care is to realize the impact it has on others that Mm. we're going to be the better best version of ourselves yeah absolutely going back to that oxygen mask you know putting our own oxygen mask on first always we have to do that right otherwise we can't. yeah that's kind of my catchphrase like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when you sit in a plane <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Although no, not many people can remember that at the moment. <laughs> no, it's really hard, isn't it? When there seems to be so much need in others and so much um, demand, particularly on, on doctors at the moment, we are seeing a lot of doctors struggling with um, overwhelm, burnout, fatigue, um, you know, really, and some compassion fatigue, actually, because eventually you kind of you use mm. it up you know there's there's only so much that we've got and to give and and actually the magic trick is if we can give ourselves a drop of compassion first mm. then we get so much more compassion to have to give to others mm. yeah so um i'd really recommend if anyone's listening to this and that's resonating right now you're just not kind of caring quite so much as you were before or you're just a little bit more fed up with people irritated by people at work patients whatever just thinking okay how can i be kind to myself first because a drop of that is like a drop mm. of water in a desert it will just yeah bring to life more compassion for others mm. oh i feel like i could talk we could ramble around on all these <laughs> topics all day um, it's been so lovely to have you here sheila um if you had uh you know this was your last chance to talk to doctors out there who were struggling what would you say to them what would be your top tip oh man it's <laughs> i know <laughs> <You're honest. laughs> um, I think it's got to be put yourself first. Mm -hmm. And I know that's really, really difficult, but if you don't, who will? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I completely agree. I think we have to give ourselves permission to do that. Mm. There's a lot of talk and rhetoric in medicine about the patient comes first, the patient comes first, the patient, but in order for the patient to come first, we have to come first. Otherwise um, mm. we can't help them. Right. Mm. if we're just a burnt out you know fraction of ourselves we can't put the patients first mm. so it, it sounds really counterintuitive but we kind of have to put ourselves first in order to put them first or slightly second <laughs> join, join first or whichever way you feel most comfortable the point is put yourself back in there somewhere yeah. <laughs> not just about the patients yeah, yeah. Um, and um, are there any particular resources you'd recommend to doctors at the moment anything you'll um I, through COVID, have been listening to a podcast by Michael Bungay-Stania. He's a um, number one coach in Canada, but he started a podcast <clears throat> called We Will Get Through This. And the podcast's <clears throat> only about 30 minutes long. Mm. But he talks to all the people that he knows about various things in resilience. Um, mm. And it's all across things from like figuring out what your values are through to what your financial plans are. Mm. Um, but because they're kind of short, short and sharp, it's really easy to listen to. Um, and I, I just found it. I've picked loads of ideas up that I sort of weaved into the work. Mm. Um, that I, I love do. that idea as well that we will, we will get through that. We, you're right. In yes. This together, yeah. we will get through this. And yeah. lovely. We'll put that name in, of that podcast in the show notes for people mm. who are uh, listening. Um, and how can people get hold of you, Sheila, if they want to work with you personally or to follow what you're doing or hear more from you? How can mm, so I put a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and because of the spelling of my name, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, Sheila is S-H-E-E-L-A, Hobden, H-O-B-D-E-N. Um, I have a website, which is www.bluegreencoaching.com. And I'm on Twitter at wellbeing underscore champ. Um, or Love. email me directly, Sheila at bluegreencoaching.com. 
Great. And we'll pop all of those in the show notes as well for anyone listening who wants to get in touch with you. Which just leaves me to say thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and sharing with us your thoughts. Um, and I hope you'll come back and speak with us again uh, one day soon. Thank you, Sheila. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast, um, one of our special editions about uh, the COVID pandemic and how we can support ourselves as doctors through this um, challenging time. Please, if this podcast has helped you at all or you think it might help others, please do share it um, far and wide. We want to try and reach and help as many doctors as we possibly can to get through um, this time together. We are going to get through this together. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.